Yeah. Because you just you just hit me with something because I seen the picture with you and some wrestlers too. So I wanted to ask about that. But well, this person, there's a show that we used to watch back in the days, right? Mm -hmm. About junior high school. It's called Degrassi Junior High. I loved that show as a kid, right? But then when I got older, I seen they did another Degrassi Junior High, and there was this light-skinned character on there, um, and his name is Drake. Yo, real talk with Star Scorpio. This this is crazy. My guest here, Kwame Demond Mason. We were doing part one and we ran out of time, so we had to do a part two. In part one, we covered his childhood. We talked about growing up in the park woods. He told some amazing stories. Talked about security at Canada's Wonderland, meeting all the people. We talked about his time at Fat TV. And we ended off at um, his time at KISS 92.5. And I was dropping some names because I wanted to hear some stories. He told me about the Eminem story. The Biggie story was hot. That was in our neighborhood, though. Um, running into Aguilera, all these people. But there's a couple names. He told me the Beyonce story, too. There's a couple names I wanted to ask you before we move on. Because yeah. tell me if this is true. Did you do time at Flow 93.5 as well? Yeah, I was one of the first first crew. Yes. All right. So we're going to get to that. But I have some names here. So do you remember the time and do you have any stories of when you met Fat Joe? Because I seen that picture with Fat Joe. Legend. Yeah. I mean, I ran into Fat Joe, Joey Crack. It was nothing really big. I, I was at I was at the uh, very first BET Awards in Vegas and I met a lot of I met a lot of people there. Fat was one of them. I think. Um, that experience, that first BT Awards was really dope. I, I'm that's when I, I remember. I remember I was in like there's a radio room. Yeah. So you have like a makeshift radio station. Everybody had one. Um, you know, every radio station from the states, I had one. So what that what it meant was like, at, 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 um. I could broadcast at any time. Mm. So if someone came in, I just, okay, I would hit up and be like, yo, so-and-so's in. They'd patch me in. I'd be like, all right, live and direct from Vegas, BT Awards. I got ushered. And I remember, I remember I was in, I don't know why. I, oh, yeah, because it was like, you know, it, I was trying to do stuff for the morning show. So... Vegas being like three hours ahead. I, I can't remember the time zone thing, but I was up. I was there early in the morning. I was probably there like three in the morning. Mm. Usher comes dancing in. He's just bopping around, dancing and so like that. I'm like, man, you up really early. He's like, yo, man, gotta work, gotta work. So that was cool. But yeah, Joey Crack, I just kind of in passing, never really got to chop it up with him as much. I wish I did. Like he seems like a very interesting person, but yeah, I don't have any crazy stories about him. Mm. Did you ever become so close to these um, rap artists where you had their their phone numbers? I I know you said you had Busta Rhymes 
pager, I believe. But did you ever have their phone numbers where you could just hit them up when you were in the area? Um, I mean, you know, I I'd exchange. I remember this was. I remember when I was doing Fat TV. Mm. Um, if you ever look at my IG, I think the page, I think it's up there on my Quamster IG. Uh, the brat came. I saw that picture. Huge crush on the. I would like, man, I had a crush on the brat. <laughs> and uh, you know, everybody was like, "Nah, bro, she's like, she's like, I'm like, I'm like it's the brat." Yeah. So her and I kicked it. So if you if you look at the picture, I'm like lean back, like yeah. basically on her lap, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But uh if you ever see if you ever seen that interview, oh we were hot. I mean, we smoked a fat blood just and I never used to smoke before interviews. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that'll throw you off. I smoke, she wants to like, yo, we smoking? I was like, yeah, and he spoke, <laughs> and I was just wicked, and you could see it on on camera because I remember my friends would call me and be like, "Yo, bro, are you high?" I'm like, "Yep." <laughs> and um, she, so, so long story short, she went on Electric Circus right after, mm. and after the I gotta find it, but right after she was like. I'm sending this one out to my man Kwame, and my phone blew. Everybody's like, "Yo, why is the brat shouting you out like this?" And um, you know, long story short, she gave me her number. But I, I mean, I might have most of the times back then was all like beepers. So we talked a couple of times. Um, homeboy from Insync, Kirk Kirkpatrick, Kirk Kirkpatrick, me and him talked a little bit. But uh, Buster talked to him a little bit, but. You know what? My thing was, I just never wanted to bother these people. You know uh, what I mean? So, yeah. if I had a connect, like, I, I mean, I know I have Red Man's number here still. I just, I just, you know what I mean? Like, what am I calling you about? Hey, yeah. man, how you doing? Like, what, you know what I mean? What am I calling you for? Yeah. I don't know, like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm sure if I saw them or saw somebody, they might have been like, yo, why don't you hit me up? But, uh, no, I never, I never did that. I just never did that, you know? Mm. Yeah, what about for projects though? So I know what you're saying for the personal stuff, but what about if they were coming to the city and you were plugged in, so they wanted to? Yeah, and so if we had, if we, if if we had like when I was doing Fat TV, you know, uh, back then I would, you know, I page Buster or his manager and be like, "Yo, let me know what's what." Um, Khalees, mm. when I was working at when I was working at Kiss ninety two, her and I were really cool, so we'd always talk like. Many times she'd come back in the city, she'd hit me up, me, her, and not Pharrell, but Malice. Me, her, and Malice would not, yeah, not, not Pharrell, sorry. Um, what's the, what's her, what's the, what's homeboy's name? From Clips, the two, there's Malice and like you could tell, I don't listen really to that much. Yeah, I know, I know. But yeah. yeah, his brother would all, we'd we, we, we go meet up and just go out to the clubs or something like that, you know what I mean? But, mm. Yeah, but project wise, not nah, because I, you know, everything we just had set up. I just, I just never did it. You know, I just never did that, and that's probably one of the things that I kind of like. You know, wish I had did better 
of is con like connecting with them because yeah. back then too you know what i mean like if you're a dude and you're texting dudes and you're you know what i mean you're beeping dudes like you know what i mean it's like that's weird so if, unless they wanted something like hey link me up with i'm trying to go to this club or uh, uh i was just you know i didn't want to be known as that guy that's just like yeah you know? so i just yeah. never knew, i never i never knew the proper protocol to stay in touch with celebrities like that so i just never did it you know? yeah understandable yeah i remember i used to i remember like spinderella like i just never would you know what i mean my brother yeah. thought it was stupid my brother's like yo she trying to holler at you i'm like nah come on yeah oh, yo the history is crazy but tell me something you said something about caravana back in the day uh when you're telling your mishy story mm -hmm. but when caravana came around Tell me something, because people always thought that Canada was soft. They like Toronto is different, I believe, from a lot of different provinces, Ontario, but specifically Toronto, and you got Montreal. But when the artists came here, where their eyes opened, since you were in the know, where they were like, "Wow, I didn't know Toronto was like this." You you know, it's interesting because like you know, I mean, I all I, I mean, I, obviously, I don't go to Caravan anymore, but growing up. I always was at Caravana. I just, I, as I know myself, I know Caravana. Like, you know what I mean? My parents, I went there as a shorty, had to catch up behind my parents to being a teenager and let us go on our own to an adult, just doing the thing, working it, having our own float. Like when I was at Kiss 92, we had a float. It was like me, DJ Short, um, Eve, and and Big Ticket from- um, Oh, from BT. The, the basement. Yeah, we had a, we had a, we had a float. And and uh, my cousin Jeff, who I was telling you about, lived in Queens on One Ninety Third and Linden Boulevard. He would always come, and and I opened his eyes to it, and then he would open up his friend's eyes, and he would tell like Q Tip and all those guys about Carabana, and you know, um, I think what really the time when American like because. You know, for Americans, it used to be your relatives would come come down. Like other everybody's relatives from the states would come in. Right. Artists didn't start really coming in until about ninety six. I remember that because Puffy came. Right. Puffy brought this, this is right after Big died. He brought the whole Bad Boy family there, mm. and I remember we called it Puffabana. Yeah. Because he had a part. It was just lights out. But in my opinion, that's when we spoiled it for ourselves. Mm. Because now, everybody now is really, really coming down artist-wise. So now parties, which were already $20 expensive, now bump up to $70. Yeah. And it just, got, it just got dumb. And it just became like almost like their thing. And then promoters that we knew were just placating to the American artists and what they, you know, and we, it was just, it just went to me. It just kind of was like, you know, but they, yeah. When, once they caught a hold of Carabana, holy smokes, then you'd see everybody out here. Oh, yo. And you lived it too, man. You lived it. Boy. Um, there's a couple other artists I want to ask yeah. you about, but let me just switch it to another genre of music. Because we all grew up with dancehall, 
So did you ever meet some of the artists that we love to hear, like the Beanies, the Bounty, Spraga Benz, anyone? Because they love Canada too, Toronto. Yeah. Uh, Beanie Man came by the station. We kicked it. Um, who else? Beanie Man. Sean Paul. Um, but you know, it's interesting it's from the, the reggae world. I never really got plugged into that as much as I thought, you know, now when I look back, I'm like, you, how's that? You never got plugged in there. Yeah. It just, you know what I mean? It was just, I was such a hip hop head. Mm. That was my main focus. Mishy was more onto the reggae side. You know what I mean? But yeah, it makes yeah, sense. I never really got, I never really got heavy, heavy into the dance hall side and the dance hall scene. You know what I mean? I just. Mm. Give me hip hop all day. That was my thing. That was your thing. Yeah. So now going back, two more names I want to ask you about. Because uh -huh. you were talking about the start of hip hop, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s and stuff. So you got to drop this name because I seen a picture of you and I believe Michi Me was in it too with Chuck D. Yeah. I was in meeting at member of Public Enemy knowing that, you know, we listened to them growing up and then you met, well, you met him at that time too. How was that? Yeah, that was probably, I would say, you know, out of everybody I met, that's the one you have to pay the most respect to. And you're just in awe because it was, you know what I mean? It was Chucky D. Mm. And like I said, you know, when, when I was working with Mishy, Mishy was good with Chuck and she, she was actually signed to one of his imprint labels at the time. And they took us... That's the first time I got to see all of Canada was with, with Chuck D and Flavor and Professor Griff and the S1Ws. Um, we we toured Canada. We started in Vancouver, ended up, ended in Toronto, but Vancouver all the way to Montreal, then back to Toronto. That was our last stop. And then after that, we went to Dominica. I got to see Dominica for the first time opening up for um, for Chuck D and them. And, yeah. uh, that was amazing. I again, as another time, I I always, it, man, anytime I was in Chuck's presence, I just shut up and I would just listen. Wow. I just want to be around him. You know what I mean? Flavor, flavor. Being around flavor was just jokes. It's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. I remember being with Flav and, um, you know, flavor, flavor could play like twenty different instruments. Did you know that? What? No. Yeah, piano, guitar anything like he's he's that dude like he's wow. a, an accomplished musician mm. and uh he was fun to he was he was really fun to be around and learning martial arts from the s1ws like we'd be like at the hotel and they'd be showing me like high kicks and all this stuff and you know and 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 you know professor griff just dropping science the knowledge yeah yeah so mm. that was, you know, and I just remember being in Dominica, hot night, poolside, and just sitting with Public Enemy going, holy crap, man, that's pretty cool. That's Chucky D right there. And I remember when we got off tour, man, uh, I was still living in Roywood, and we got off the airport, uh, the hotel, or the, 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 we got off the, um, the plane, and it was like one in the morning. Mm. Miss Chuck D drove me home. And uh, 
I would still what, what, what was upsetting was no man's them was out. They were you know usually at Roywood and like uh, by Masonette's man's them would be outside, stand you know hanging out in front doing mm. you know hustling and stuff like that. Nobody was outside. My dad answered the door and, and I just remember this is what I loved about Chuck D. Like he, 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 they dropped me off and him and my dad are just talking for like half an hour outside, just just chopping it up and. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, that, that's a that was a that was really that's a really cool. I, you know, I never, I haven't I, since then. I have not seen Chuck D. Mm. Um, I no, I actually saw him once at the BT Awards. But man, there's a couple of people that I'm hoping that one day I'll get to just reconnect with them, like you know, I, I, and sit down and and just talk. Like, I'd love to just reconnect with like red man on a on a just a, a sit down level and i mean i'd love to see jay-z again but mm -hmm. i know we wouldn't reconnect or there's no reconnecting it would just yeah. be like oh, i would just be like yo you know i i appreciate where you are right now and you know you were my fr the first time i ever interviewed a celebrity or a rapper or anything was you and you know and that's something that no one could take away from me you know what i mean but yeah uh, yeah, Chuck D, boy, that was that was something special. Well, D, thanks for sharing that story. Um, just just talking to you, I'm like you you your your brain, like you remember everything. You remember the the experiences, and I feel like you need to write a book or something. And it's just crazy. Always People you, always say that. I I, I thought of writing uh, what I what I thought of writing was. Like, okay, so there's the thing about writing a book. You have mm. to be honest. And there's skeletons in the closet I don't know if I want to yeah. talk about. Mm. But I always thought about doing a book, which would be like, I'd put the picture and I would tell the story behind the picture. Oh, yeah. Because one thing that I, especially back then, I never did was take a picture if I just rolled up into a celebrity. Mm. I went, hey, can I get a pic? Yeah. I, after been I'm working, I was doing something. After we're done, take a pic. So all those pictures you see, there's some association. It's not like I just ran into them in the street. I mean, Bishop Don Juan, I yeah. ran into him in the street, so I took a picture with him. But anybody that's it's the Bishop Don Juan, he's got he got two holes with him and he's in his pimp outfit. I'm like, yo, you, I gotta take a picture with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, one of his holes took a picture. <laughs> So I had to, I had, you know, I mean, like that, but you know, so yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah, no, but yeah. Well, I want to hear that because, you know, when we grew up, we didn't have IG, we didn't have Facebook, and all these things, Twitter, yeah. and I see people documenting things on these platforms, and it's like we have memories in our head, and that's why I'm when I'm hearing from you. It's it's beautiful to hear stories firsthand from someone because a lot of people right now, they can tell a story if you just scroll through their IG. But thinking back at it, do you feel like a way thinking like, oh, man, I wish we had those kind of platforms at that time? Or are you happy with how things are? Not at all. I don't even want these platforms now. Mm. I don't even want them now. I don't want them. Yeah. You know, even like, you know, like. I love discovery. That's why I like documentaries because you discover something, you learn something like the internet. I don't, I don't really like, man, if I can, if they said, Hey, 
take something away from human beings, I'd be like, yeah, take away that internet. Hmm. Take that away from everybody. You know, I grew up in the times when you had pen pals, when you wrote letters. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you got a letter. I'm from the generation that you 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 put your cam your, your film in your camera carefully. You set your camera, you took your picture, you finished your role, you went to the store, you dropped it off. A couple of days later, you got it back and you're excited because you're like, did it turn out? Did it turn out? Mm. I like that. I don't like that I could just pick up my phone. Bop, yeah. bop. I don't like that. I don't, I, I mean, I'll do it. It is what it is. I, 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 you know, you can't take away what's already here. This is where we're at. But if you ask me, I'm like, no, I don't want, I don't want that. Even like, no disrespect, but even like podcasts and camera videos on phone. I'm like, I'm like, you got to study the craft, man. You're very good at what you're doing. I'll give you that. I'll give mm -hmm. you the fact that, like, you know, when I listened to it and I was listening to some other stuff you do, I'm like, you you could have you could have been a radio broadcaster in the sense that when you when you when you do your interviews and stuff like that, you conduct yourself like how I would. Mm -hmm. But I listen to a lot of I I I I've heard a lot of people's podcasts and I've been on a lot of people's just makes it pod. I'm like listening. I'm just like, what? What is? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like even like make it like to me. I feel like, and this is why I never became an actor mm -hmm. because I was not disciplined enough to study the craft. Nowadays, you could just do some goofy shit on the internet and then somebody sees you and because you've got all these followers oh let me give you a role in the movie i'm like what how does yeah. that how does that trans I, you know it is what it is but you know so yeah i don't i don't I, I there's no discovery right now everything is right there and i mean you know think about it especially for young boys mm. no discovery you know i come from the era that you go through the forest, you might find a Playboy. What? Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's just like bling, 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 and there it is. Mm. And they see the most extreme-ish. You know what I mean? These mm. boys, these young boys don't got no discovery. I'm from the days of, you know, you discover. You would discover. You were like, you know, I'm from I'm from first base, second base, third base, home plate. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's my world. Yeah, These yeah. Like, and I to me, I'm like, that's a, that's too bad. To mm. me, that's too bad. I think you got to work your way up to something. You can't just have it right there. And I think right this that this right now, everything is right there for and you want it, boom. You want to make a movie? Ah, boom, get here, get get final cut. You, you got your phone, go still, ah, boom, and put it up there. And it could be the worst thing in the world, but because it does something that made so now you got 50 million followers. And then a man that really has been grinding and studying and da 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 can't even get a hundred followers. That to me is an injustice. So wow, I needed to hear that, man. First of all, so thank yeah, you for. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you if you're gonna keep doing this podcast thing, respect the craft, man. Respect mm -hmm. the craft and just do it to the best of your ability. And you know, and you gotta remember, like, you might be doing something way better than other people, but they're gonna get that. They're gonna get more listeners and more followers than you. So. You got to wow. ask what you're doing it for. And if you're okay with what you got, then just keep doing it because it's out of the love. And that's why I always try to tell, like, I like anything that I've done, 
you know, has always been for the love first. And I feel like the money would come later. Mm-hmm. When I when I went into Fat, fat TV, mm-hmm. two years, I made $500. Wow. $500. I don't know how much my boss made. And, I, you know, he used to always tell me he ain't made no money and this and that. I know I made $500. And the only reason why I made $500 is because I put on an event at Canada's Wonderland. And I think it was Polo or somebody sponsored it. And he cut me a check for 500 bucks. But I did it out of the love because I knew if I did that, one day it would pay off. When I worked at Kiss 92, I worked once a week. I might have made, I think it was like a thousand bucks I made every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Who's living off a thousand bucks, man? You know what I mean? I went on tour with Mishy, Public Enemy. I ain't get no money. I ain't made no money. You know what I'm saying? But I did it because I knew. And when I made my first film, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, yeah, I went bankrupt. I I lost. I lost it. I, I sold my condominium. I used to smoke. I used to be a smoker, cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I, I stopped smoking because of making that documentary because I couldn't afford a $10 pa- pack of cigarettes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yo, we're we going to get to that. I, I like where this is going. Save that conversation. Wow, this is amazing. First of all, thank you for the compliment. Um, and yeah, I, I love doing this podcast because I want to share stories of others and I build that connection with people. And I like to reconnect with some of my old school people. Like you're not the first one from the old school. And we get into conversations where some people are like, who's this, who's that? But it's yeah. it's like I'm doing it for me too. But yeah. people need to hear this word. And it, I like what you said, too, about it's about the craft, too. It's not just put it because, you know, I was in comedy, right? Mm-hmm. So when I see how people can just turn on the thing and then drop a bottle and then they got millions of views or make something explode and then like and it's funny to other people. But you're not building that that work, that mm-hmm. um, that catalog of jokes and put it, doing the grind, going to all the clubs. But I got to tell you something. That's why, even though sometimes I miss comedy, when I look at some of the other comedians at the work they put in, it's like I respectfully bowed out. Yeah. Because I'm saying, oh, I can't do this because I got my day job. My daughter was three years old at the time, five years old, and I'm still doing I'm not home on the weekends. But even though it's good to spend time, of course, with your family, but sometimes you got to make sacrifices for what you want, right? Yes, yes. But I seen that. And I'll drop names because some of the comedians that inspired me and I and I dropped their names on my first podcast, I seen the work they put in and I see what they're doing now. So yeah. I always pay respect to John Paul, yeah. Ron Jossel, Gilson yeah. Lubin. Yeah. Even um when I started before Jay Martin, but Jay Martin and Tricks, I see yeah. the work that they yeah. constantly put in and I see what I was doing. So I respectfully bow out, but um, I know what you mean. I tell you, you want to hear a story about how myself, John Paul, and this kid Alan Maskell almost died in Trinidad. What? Yeah, we almost drowned. What happened? So we were in Trinidad for Carnival. This is Fat TV days. I was out there shooting for like ten days, and it was the last day. So we're on the beach, and we smoke in, we drink in, have a good time. We go out into the ocean. 
and we splashing around having a good time. Da, 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 da. Now, for those who don't know about the ocean, the ocean's no joke. That beast will suck you up in a second. So you know how the current go, how the waves go. Wave come in, wave goes out. Mm. But when you're standing out there and like, you know what I mean? Here's the here's the beach, here's a little bit of you stand out in the middle, you let the you let the wave come in and hit you in your back. It's fun. Mm. So it was doing that to all three of us, but it was also pulling us a little bit further. So we'd be here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. To one point, we're just like, yo, the beach is over there. Jeez. So we're fighting, and the wave is still pulling us back. Eldon's trying to grab John Paul. John Paul's trying to push me and we're fighting and we're trying and we can't do it. I swear to God. I was like, fuck, man. I can't believe I'm going out like this. That's the last thing I remember saying. And then lifeguard came and pulled us, got us all. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. a deal. It's That's so far if he remembers that. Yo, I'm he a post. Probably, he could probably be like, ah, I was, I was da-da, and I was trying to help them, and they were da 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 But yo, three of us would have died in Trinidad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That would have changed everything. Wow. It's so weird how just a conversation can trigger a memory like that. Well, like you said, me, I remember like there's a lot of things. I I just I'm very nostalgic. I mm. always I could tell you, but I could tell you, I could tell you my first. I can tell you the girl gave my first kiss in grade one. Like, I'm yeah. just that dude. Yeah. You know? so. Yo, this is amazing. I, I thought this wouldn't be long, but because it's the chemistry, man. You know who I went lo this long with? I went, I had long podcasts with a couple people, a couple guys from the States, but my, my cousin, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Steve Bino, we were just, and he was talking about the comic world and everything. And you actually met a comic, his name, Neil Adams, right? I seen a picture with you and he passed away, rest in peace. Oh, but man. quickly tell me about that. So there's another documentary that I'm working on. I can't really pull the whole thing out together, but it has to do with comic books. And I always run into Neil Adams. Now, for those who don't know who Neil Adams are, if you know anything about comic books, this is a famous comic book where Superman is fighting. It's Superman versus Muhammad Ali. It's a big book. Look it up. This goes Superman Muhammad Ali. You'll see that cover. Mm. He he drew that cover and he worked on that book. He also worked on Green Lantern. Uh, this this book called uh, Green Lantern and Green Arrow, and it was a very pivotal book because it talked about racism in there. Mm. And he's the one who also created John Stewart. John Stewart is the black green lantern. Mm. When he went to DC Comics about his green lantern, they were just like, yo, why is his nose look like that? Because back in the days, what they would used to do was they would just have their white figure that they looked, how they drew, and just colored them brown. Mm. So it'd be straight. They looked like a white boy, but it looked like, but he just called, you know what I mean? And he was the first person to be like, yo, this is how black people look. I'm drawing them how they look. Mm. They didn't like that, but they ended up doing it and became the most popular Green Lantern. People more know 
John Stewart than they know. This generation knows more John Stewart than they know Hal Jordan. So I'm always at the conventions and I'd be with my camera and I'd be like, tell me about that story. He goes, Kwame, come to the studio and sit down with me and do this interview. Yeah. Kwame, New York, <laughs> Kwame, just come to the studio. I'm like, yeah, okay, Neil, okay, 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 okay. He passes away. I was like, I wanted to throw something. I wanted to, I was so mad because like, I'll never get that opportunity again, you know? And that's too bad. He was, he was a giant in the comic book world for, especially when it comes to black characters, Neil Adams was the guy. How did you find out of his passing? Uh, Just IG, like, you know, in, you know, just going on the internet. And I was just like, it, I when, when I talked to some of my producer partners, I was so mad. I was so mad. You know what I mean? Because, and I was more mad at myself because even though you're waiting for projects to go, you don't wait for nobody. You got to, I could have easily just said, let me take my camera. I'm going to go to the studio and I'm just going to get it on tape and I'm just going to moss it. Mm -hmm. Same with Stan Lee. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, you know what I mean? I just never did it. And then, you know, so, yeah. Oh, man. But thanks for sharing that. Because I seen the picture with um you and him, man. Mm -hmm. Um, The last person I'm going to talk about. And then um I want you to talk about, you know, just summarize your time at 93.5. How was that experience? But I'm going to drop a name here, man. Yeah. Because you were in the know. And we're talking about hip hop artists that we grew up with. And then everybody came along. I don't know if you were in um that realm when 50 came in and i saw you with the game though i saw a picture of you with the game but i want to ask you 50 gave me oh. one of the illest drops too i got one of the illest drops from 50. really <laughs> i begged him i was on the phone with him i was just like fifth just cool out man like we you know this is i was like i don't want to hear you get shot and get killed man he's like oh Thanks, big homie. And I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, okay. And then he gave me the illest, illest drop. Mm -hmm. Wait, did you interview Fifth? Yeah, yeah. Wait, I I, I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, before I ask this question about this artist, um, big artist in Canada, I want to ask you your the interview with Fifth, how it was, but who was your most memorable um, interview that just hit you in the top of your head? But tell me about 50 first. 50 was a cool interview. That's probably close to one of my last interviews uh, at um, on radio in Canada because right after that, Kiss ninety two, um, switched to Jack FM, mm. and Fifty was just coming to, he was coming to Canada for the first time to do a show, and so we were just teeing up the album, doing all that. But it was it was a good interview with him, you know. Obviously, getting to talk about his history and his life and stuff like that. So that I was really, I really liked that interview, but m most, it's so hard. I, I don't know. I, I mean, God, I interviewed so many people and, you know, Khalees was a really good interview because we came, we, we it felt very like we were friends, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, you know, an interesting interview it was with Jerry Heller when I was in Edmonton. Jerry okay. Heller was the manager of NWA. Yes, yes. So talking to him about Ice Cube and 
you know, Easy E and all those guys. I was, you know, he signed his book to me. Like I, I got his book, autographed his book, and we we sat down, we chopped it up, and like just hearing that stuff is like it's kind of chilling. You know what I mean? That was that's just 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 like because you know you you hear all these rumors and stuff like that, but it was a, that was a serious time for those guys. So that was a really really cool interview. But um, yeah, I, it's, I I can't really say one just blew my mind and stood out to me you know but mm, okay yeah okay but it's, it's crazy how you interview some people and they just starting out you know what i mean and then we see where they are today That's it's just I'm so glad I'm, I'm glad i've always had that ability to get with people when they first started because mm. after they blow up then you know it's those that's easy yeah but when they first when they first start you kind of you know, you could tell who's going to be what and who, you know what I mean? Like, there's some really, I, I remember I was in um, another BT Awards and I was doing uh, street interviews going into, like, this party and I was talking to, you know, meeting Malcolm Jamal Warner. It's not a picture. I had a, I had a, I, to me, I had a, a long distance connect with him because when, Cosby show was on. I felt like we were in the same high school because everything mm. he was dealing with, I was dealing with at the same time. Mm. And 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 I really liked inter interviewing him. And then um the wire was out around that time. And, and I, I can't remember who I was interviewing, was interviewing somebody. And I can't remember the character's name, but he was the older gentleman, the older detective, the black detective. That passed away. No, not him. That oh. that was chief. That was, oh, that, okay. was, that, was the, that was the chief. Yeah. The detective. Mm. Freeman, Freeman, Detective Freeman. He was the one with the bow legs. Freeman, I saw him and some I'm talking to some celebrity and I see him and I know he's coming and he'll pass me because I'm interviewing. I was like, I wanted to be like, yo, hurry up. And yeah. I looked at him, I said, I'm I ask a question. This person's telling me. I'm yeah. looking up there. I go, oh, and this guy's still talking. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hurry up, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. and and I was like, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks, thanks. I can't remember who it was, but I was just like, yo, Freeman comes, and I'm just like, oh my god. And we talked about the wire. I was like, blow my blown away. I remember, and that same lineup. Soldier Boy was there, and he must have smoked a blunt or did something, but his breath was just rock. Mm. I was like, damn, son. I saw the picture of you with Soldier Boy. Messing up my belly. It was like <laughs> that type of breath, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Mind you, Method Man clowned me one time. He's like, you got bad breath. Like, he, But he was just like an asshole to me. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, yo, you're mean. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. But Method Man is the one person that made me He's the first celebrity to make me separate the art from the person. Mm. He was an asshole to me. He was just an asshole to me. I was like, yo, I don't like you. Mm. But I always thought you were like, it's Method Man. Yeah. But as a person, I was like, I don't even want to be around this guy. Mm. You know what I, mean? I was going to ask you that too. Like, the things that we see on TV or Night in the day. interview are some people different. Night, and day. Yeah. Night and day. Wow. Night and day. Like, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, they really have to just put it on. And, you know, that's why it's like, you know, you, you think of all 
the people who've gotten themselves in trouble and you ask yourself, can you listen to an R. Kelly record now? Mm. Is R. Kelly still a great artist? Is he a great artist or not? Yeah. You know what I mean? How hard is that to answer? Like if you take away what he's done mm. or just say the music, mm. one opinion, but the person, oh my God, that guy can go to hell. You know what I mean? So did he did he stop by anything? Studio? Never. Man? I've never met R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Never met R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Just dropping, 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 drop after drop. But now this person. Last question. Yeah. Because you just you just hit me with something because I seen the picture with you and some wrestlers too. So I wanted to ask about that. But well, I got this person, there's a show that we used to watch back in the days, right? Mm-hmm about junior high school it's called the grassy junior high i love that show as a kid right <laughs> but then when i got older i seen they did another the grassy junior high and there was this light-skinned character on there um and his name is drake aubrey. but yes aubrey now i don't know what point in your career that drake came in because now i'm messed up with years but yeah. did you know about drake at the I time i was no. in alberta Mm. My friends, like my my friend King Rain, he rest in peace, Socrates, all those guys. I was out, I was out of Toronto when he was coming, when he was doing his thing and hitting the studios. And you know, around that time, I was really kind of just jaded in that industry. So I only met him once. I met him through I met him through a friend of mine, Adrian X who is a guitar player, amazing guitar player who played in Drake's first tour band. And when he came to Edmonton, me and him were kicking it. He's like, yo, I'm out here with Drake and da, 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 da. Like, so we met up and then it was at the after party and, you know, Drake was there and I was just like, hey, what's up? You know, I'm from Toronto too and da, 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 da. But, you know, we, it's six degrees of separation. Yes, but mm. never, never chopped it up with him. But, really happy that really happy that he's been able to do what he's done and he's unapologetically able to represent Toronto to the fullest. It makes me sad that none of the people that I grew up with were able to break through like he did. And I knew a lot of them that were so talented. Mm. And that was, that's what just tells you it's, you know, you, it's time and place, man. Because Socrates, in my opinion, was that guy before that guy. Yeah. But, you know, King Rain, same thing. But it's just, you know, and I have to, I have to, you know, sometimes you, I'll run into some people and I'm just like, man, but, you know, God don't make mistakes, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I want to know if you knew were in the know at that time when he came up and if you expected him to be who he is today coming from I Toronto. Was, I, I was around when I worked at when I worked at Wonderland, I worked with this Southeast Asian kid whose best friend also like I'd go to his house and his his best friend would DJ with him and he'd always call me Quame and do all these jokes and I'd just be like, yo, this guy is irritating as hell. Yeah, mm. he's funny, but he's irritating as hell. Yeah. Ends up being, I go out to Alberta and people are like, oh my God, this guy, Russell Peters. I'm like, Russell Peters? Mm. I'm like, I know Russell Peters. That's my <laughs> from Brett. He's like, and he blew up. Like that person, you know what I mean? Like I see, I, I saw that. I didn't mm. expect him. I didn't expect Russell to be 
where he was at, but again, really, really happy for them. And whenever I see him, it's I tread lightly because he just likes to clown on people. So yeah, I know about that. But but tell me something. Since you got on that, um, I seen a picture with you and Russell, of course. You and one of my other mentors uh, for the Nubian show that I used to do, Kenny Robinson. But um, I seen a picture with you and him. Was there a connect in Toronto with all the different? Um, you know, you have your co comedians, you have your actors. I know Mark Taylor. Yeah. Um, was there a connect with everyone? Like yeah, a little circle. I, I think what it is is like we. I, I equate that to being in high school. Mm. You all went to the same school. There's the rappers. There's the actors. There's the comedians. There's the um, radio people. There's mm. the, you know, the artists. Like it was just like that. So you there be certain times when everybody would, you know, you buck and buck together at certain parties and stuff like that, but you went off in your certain directions, you know what I mean? And, you know, I used to, I used to host a comedy show every other Sunday at the bamboo. Oh, that was really cool. And sometimes Russell would come in and he might've done a couple of like five minutes here and there and stuff like that. But, mm. and Kenny was dope, but this is, you know, Nubian show was going on every at the end of every month. Yeah, the Sunday. Yeah. So we used to try and make sure that you know we not that we're trying to compete with them, but we was trying to do some different flavor. That was a lot of fun. I always loved. I always that's another craft I wish I sat and really worked on because there's just something about you know there's something about being on stage and grabbing the mic and making people laugh. That's mm. that's almost. It's the best feeling, the best yeah, feeling. I mean, that's a different, that's a different flex than singing a song or, you know what I mean, to me. But mm. I, yeah, I always like that stand-up world, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough though to stay, the grind is crazy, you know what I mean? You gotta be that guy. Mm. You gotta be willing. All right, now I want to move, before we move to your documentary, Soul on Ice, just tell me a little bit about that wrestling world. Like, how did you meet these? Yeah. I swear I saw a picture with rest in peace. I Owen Hart. Were you you yeah. said oh, yeah. rest in peace, Owen Hart? What was that like? Like, who did you how did you meet Ric well, Flair? The, the wrestling thing is like I, you know, and I remember telling Ric Flair this. I'm like, you know, when you think back to your childhood, your earliest memories, one of my earliest, my earliest television memory is 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 Ric Flair and Andre the Giant and those guys. And I've always been a wrestling head, which most first generation West Indians were because of their parents. Mm -hmm. Grandparents always loved to watch a wrestling. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I knew how to do a figure four when I was like in grade four, grade five. I could put you in a figure four and really jack you up. I could put you in the Cobra Clutch and we used to put people in the sleeper and knock them out. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. My mother was even a bigger wrestling head but always loved wrestling so glad that i was able to watch all those great wrestlers and then when i was doing fat tv i sparked up a relationship with a guy named carl demarco who was the president of wwf canada Ooh. and so i met him and he used to, like when i was doing fat tv I used to just be like, hey, you know, we got this show and we want to interview wrestlers and something like that. But like, we weren't ready to interview no wrestlers. He's like, yo, totally. And he would give me passes and then backstage passes. And then he would let me go backstage 
and interview. And I had a little recorder and I'd interview um, wrestlers and I would be able to, I'd be able to go ringside and yeah. take pictures. I got, I got, I got a picture of literally me right here, Stone Cold Steve Austin, giving the finger salute, take a picture of him like that. I put it on Twitter years ago and mm -hmm. he asked, go back. He said, Oh snap, old school. And I got, I had a really cool picture of the undertaker that I gave him. Like he was giving Stone Cold a tombstone and I gave him that picture, but Man. I used to go backstage and do these little interviews with them, and I would never do anything with it. I, I had to find them. I have them all on like a cassette tape somewhere. Yeah. And so I sat down this one time, and the Godwins were there. Remember the Godwins? They yeah. were like a country bunkers. And every in, one thing people got to know about wrestlers, which you'll see in a lot of documentaries, they're not. There's a lot of them are very not nice people. They're not nice. Oh people. wow! Yeah. Back then, you know, and I, I can understand because they were they really grinded. And I just remember being backstage and they were all just assholes to me. Just it was so bad. It was so bad. And then last person come in his own heart. Mm -hmm. And I go, I go, hey man, you, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. You know what I mean? Like, like don't, you know what I mean? Like they're told to do it. Yeah. But they're gonna make you know, like I don't want to be here in front of you. Wow! So I said to him, I said, "Oh," and I said, "Listen, man, if you don't want to do this, because no, 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 let's sit down, man. Let's, how's it going? How, what's your name?" And da da da. And oh yeah, my family and this, and I've been wrestling and I love it. And this about the nicest guy ever. Mm -hmm. Like when I say anybody, any interview you hear someone say Owen Hart was just the best person to be around. For those that 10 15 minutes I was around him, I fell in love with that guy. He made my whole day. Like you just imagine you watch the show that you love and it's great. You go backstage to interview these people that you idolize and it's bad. Mm -hmm. So now you're jaded again. And then this guy comes in and he brings you right back. Right back. Back to what I was saying to you about Method Man. Yeah. Because of what you see on TV or Lister doesn't mean they're gonna be nice people. Mm. He was a nice person, so that's why I cried when he died. I, I I was I was at home watching that show and they announced he died, and it broke my freaking heart because I'm like, all I could think about was like all, all those assholes I met. That's the one that they take away. You know what I mean? That's the one. Yeah. So he was great. Ric Flair was great to me. I met him on a couple occasions. Um, it was really nice to meet Ric Flair because. He was my favorite wrestler as a kid. You know, I remember I had I I he he autographed a picture. Like when I went to meet him, I went, it was like when WrestleMania was here in Toronto. Yeah. And I remember meeting him, and I went back and I had all these old wrestling books that my brother used to collect. Mm. And I remember having him on, I put it down, and all the wrestlers were like, holy shit, where'd you get that? Da, 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 da. And there's one. <laughs> when Ric Flair won his first title and he signed it for me. So I still have that to this day, but he was cool to me. And then I met him again in, in Tampa Bay, Tampa, mm. <laughs> at an outside bar, just hitting on the bartender. Like Flair is Flair. Yeah. Old, old, but he was just like, Hey girl, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> man, Rick, you'd look like you're going to fall apart. <laughs> he was good to meet. I never met the rock. 
Uh, I met I, I met Stone Cold in passing. He was he was grumpy, but um, I had John Cena on my. I, I I interviewed John Cena, the Hardy Boys. I spent a whole day with Trish Stratus. Oh, she. My she, wife was telling me about something back in the day where she was modeling with one of her friends. So Trish she, is from Toronto, right? She was a. That's how she got discovered. So if you went to. Um, the government mm. and you're coming back going home you jump on the highway to go back to to scarborough there used to be this huge billboard and it was her and her girl yeah someone saw that and blah, blah she was a fitness mom but uh, i spent the day with her i spent the day with um uh chris benoit oh no wow i saw i mean when i say i hung out a whole day with him and again, I don't really say much. Of, I don't comment because what he did was really bad. Yeah. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say he was one of the nicest guys to be around. Wow. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I was really sad about I was really sad about that story too, because he was another guy that was cool. Like they then them guys, I mean, they're grumpy people. Yeah. But I hung out with him and Edge for like a whole day. Wow. Trish Travis for like a whole day. Trish Chad, I was messing around with Trish. Like Trish is like, you know, you see Trish, you're like, ooh, shorty. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you hang out with her, she's like the homie. She's like the homie. She's so cool like that. And I remember I was messing around with her. I tried to put her in like a, a, a arm lock. Mm-hmm. And she put a chop against my a chop on my chest. Full out, full out chop. Yeah. Must, it was, it, I swear to God, it, it came to my chest, man. I, I was like, yo, you. I was like, all right, playtime's over, man. Stop, 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 stop. Like, you oh. know what I mean? All right, stop, 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 stop. Yeah. Now, like, oh, you want to play? Oh, let's play. <laughs> like, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, relax, relax, relax. Yo, For some sure. of them, some of the female wrestlers like China back in the days, man. China was <laughs> jacked up, man. Oh man. But yo, thanks for I got to meet a lot of Xavier Woods and like new school guys and like hanging out with him and uh, Kofi Kingston. Mm-hmm. And this- through hockey and stuff like that those guys were really cool to be around too so yo thanks for sharing that too and you know what's crazy i did a pot a wrestling podcast right with my mo- boy um jimmy z he, he's a former police officer um he's on my podcast twice and when i was gonna do it we were gonna do it with these two guys from the states and have like two canadian guys two american guys all irrelevant podcasts in the states in florida my man dc and cortez but um, I was talking to Greg Simon. You remember Greg Simon, right? You know, yeah. So Greg was talking about how he met Andre the Giant one time when they came here. So I want to know, did you ever see Andre in, in this encounter in person or was he passed I away never, at the time? I never, I never met or was around Andre. I mean, I used to go watch wrestling at Maple Leaf Gardens. I'll blow your mind. You know which wrestler went to Victoria Park and all of you? No, I already know. I already know. Roddy Piper, baby. Yeah. Rest in peace. You know, there's a picture of him in in, 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 in Vic Park. Yeah, when he's the wrestling. Oh, wrestling. were you going to say a different school? No, no, Vic Park, Vic Park. He was yeah. in the wrestling. He was in the, yeah, yeah. That shit yeah. was crazy. I found that out. I thought, hey, I thought, hey, I was like, anything's possible. Yeah. I remember when I found that out, I was like, First of all, I didn't even know how many wrestlers were Canadian. Like that one tripped me out. You know what I mean? That one yeah. tripped me out, man. Yeah. The Hart family. I'm glad you said that about Owen because I always like Bret Hart, Owen Hart, yeah, the Hart I family. Met him too. I met yeah. Brett. I met Brett too. 
Mm-hmm. He was this guy. Somebody's I, my dad lost. I had a nice picture with him. My dad lost the picture. But uh, yeah, Roddy Piper going to he got kicked out because he pulled a knife on a teacher. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Cabbage Town. Cabbage Town. He spent a lot of time out there too. Yeah. When he passed, that one hurt me too, man. Mm. All right. Great. This is great stories you're sharing. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is uh your documentary, your documentary, uh-huh. Soul on Night. So I believe it's about past, present, future of the black men in the NHL. But if I'm wrong, correct me on that. I want to know the process and what even sparked your mind to do something like this. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. So Soul on Ice, Past, Present, and Future is about the history and contributions of black athletes in the game of hockey. Uh, the reason why I made that film, I always loved hockey, always loved film. I was in radio at that time when I came up with the idea in like 2005, um, working in Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, Cause you know, when I went to Edmonton, hockey is huge. And I befriended a bunch of hockey players there. One being George LaRock, who's like one of the toughest um, enforcers in NHL history, black guy. Mm. And I remember they were in the playoffs. They were doing great. And I just remember being in um, at this bar with them. And, you know, they shut down the bars. It's just, you know, everybody's this hype. And I just remember all these white boys and this one black guy there. And I always thought, like, man, I wonder what that's like for you. You know what I mean? Because you got to you gotta roll, you know what I mean? Like, you, you got to roll with them. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like they're rolling with you to the clubs. They roll, you know, unless they're into it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I remember being back at my house and I would go, I'd get on the internet and I would just Google black hockey players and I would just, all this information would pop up. And then I learned about the Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes, which was in and around 1895 to 1930. And I was like, what? There's a, there was a hot, I'm like, that's like, that's like the Negro Baseball League. And I couldn't believe that nobody ever talked about it. And I, and I would know, I would know. At that point in my life, I would know if somebody did something on it because I always watched hockey. I watched it during Black History Month. I, I always watched hockey. And I never heard them talk not once about that. And I said, that's crazy. So I always thought that would make a great documentary. So I would just print out all this information and I'd store it away in a, in a box. So that was around 2005. So fast forward to around 2011. I'm just getting burnt out of radio. Like, you know, I'm not getting, like, I'm, I got a bad attitude towards radio. Radio's got a bad attitude towards me. Then my mom gets sick. I go back home. Uh, A couple of days later, my mom passes away. And I remember when we were at the hospital, she was telling me, she was, you know, just being concerned, like, Hey man, so what is it like the radio thing? Is that what you're gonna do? Like, what do you want? And I was just telling my ideas. I was like, I got this idea about blacks and hockey and a documentary. And she just kind of was like, kind of like it was like the first time she ever was like, go do it. Like, you gotta go do it. You know what I mean? And so that gave me the courage to say, okay, I gotta, I gotta make this happen. I don't know how, but I gotta. 
So then I got fired from this last radio job. And that was the, okay, your back is against the wall. And it's funny how things work because I feel like God, Allah, the universe, whatever you want to call it, if you if you are 100% honest, they God will make it happen for you. So I just remember, you know, I always pray. Every night I pray. And I always, I remember praying saying, I got to do this. And it's all, this is all that's in my head, this documentary. And my energy was like on that. And it was like, God said, all right, you want to do it? It's going to be hard. But if you want to do it, let's go. I'll give you the tools, but it ain't going to be easy. So I'm on, I'm on, I, uh, uh, unemployment insurance i'm in alberta got no revenue coming in nothing and so i'm like okay let me just let me just get a one more little radio job and just and while i'm doing that i'll work on this one application nope this one nope this one nope nobody would hire me so i'm like oh shit but i'm still hustling i'm working i'm working and I decide now that I can't afford to, I had, I had my, I owned my own condo. I had to sell that. So I said, let me just sell this, take that money and start working on this. Connected <laughs> with this, this guy, Michael P. Douglas from Toronto, old friend. And we just started grinding. And that was my mind every day for three years straight. And when I say I had no money, I had no money. Any little money I had, I I had to put it towards that. I was making T-shirts and I would sell those and I would try to go fund these. And, you know, it was, it was one of the hardest, most satisfying processes I've ever gone through, especially because it was film. And I remember towards the end, this kid, Chester Sitt, came on and was helping to produce. He helped us get this grant from TELUS Optics. Now, the beauty was I he lived in Alberta still, and I still had an Alberta address. Mm -hmm. So TELUS was giving grants to people from the West Coast. So we were able to get like 60 grand, and that was enough for me to now go and edit the film because for last two and a half years, all I was doing was connects and interviewing Herb Carnegie, Anson Carter, uh, Trevor Daly, um, this guy, that guy, you know, Tony McKegney. I'm getting all these great interviews. I'm shooting all these kids in, in the ring. I've got stuff. I'm just, now it's like, okay, well, how much more people are you going to interview? You got to start putting a story together. So once we got that 60 grand, I was like, okay, now I can go and edit. I got an editor and I just remember sitting with this editor every day. And he and I was like, man, when this is done, man, I want to go to film school. He's like, you ain't got to go to film school. You just spent three years in film school, learning how to make a film. And I had the hands on. It was, it was so hard. Like the hustle was like, I'd go to New York. I went to New York with Val James, who was the first, Black American to play in the NHL. And he actually played for the Leafs for a little bit. I remember going to New York 
he was on his book tour and I was shooting some stuff with him. And I knew Willie O'Ree would be there. And I, and I couldn't get in touch with Willie O'Ree. So I went there. I just kind of would just, you know, just bum rush spots and just be there. And they're like, oh, do you want to do it? Willie's going to be at the the Willie O'Ree um, uh, All-Star Weekend in Philadelphia. He's going to be there tomorrow. I'm like, all weekend. I'm like, I need this. I fly back to, I flew, flew back to Toronto, booked a flight, going to Philadelphia, like get the, go right back to New York, rent a car, drive to Philly, stay in the ground. I, I stayed in like, man, when I say I stayed in some grimy hotel, cause I, I had to put my money towards, I couldn't be like, Oh, I'm staying in the, the yeah. whoop, whoop. <laughs> I'd be in LA and man, like I had to lock my door, boy. I'm like, yo, I know where I'm at. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm not in some, you know, and I just I just did what I had to do and then uh, you know, just do just do the blessings, man. Finished it and put it out in 2015. And Gary Bettman heard about it, asked me to see it, sent it to him, and that's when the ball started rolling, man. Like, you know, and like I said, like when you on a path, God's going to make it, it may hurt, but mm -hmm. he's going to get you to the end. So I just wanted to ask something before you uh, continue. Cause I seen that date 2016. So I don't know if that's, that date is a, a staple that meant something. So you can continue after, but you mentioned the higher power. Do you believe, cause I really believe this. So when you started this trajectory, this path, Things started happening. So you're saying you had this opportunity. You can't turn it. You have to go and get it. You have to go, go fly here and meet with this person. And things just start coming. I don't believe that's by chance. No, I believe someone's no. looking out for you. So speak on that before you talk about yeah. Gary Bettman seeing um, the product. I just believe that um, it was in my destiny. It was already written that I would do this thing that was going to change the conversation of hockey forever. You know, I'm not here to try to uh, big up myself or anything. I just try, I, I like to talk in just facts for certain things. If you look at hockey before 2015, 2016, nobody was talking in depth about blacks in hockey or minorities in hockey. No, I don't care what anybody says. I'll, I'll challenge anybody. I'll be like, you tell me when they were doing celebrations and all this, you tell me when, you tell me when. Well, I'll tell you that I know that when I got in there and I started and I came with the idea, I was like, yo, let me take, when I was in Eddie Charles, I was like, listen, let me take my film and let me go to all these different places so we could talk. It started rolling and, and things started happening. I was meeting people and then Kim Davis comes on board and she's now the highest ranking black woman in the NHL. Now she's just like, we're going to amplify things. I, I called her and we got a good relationship and then it started moving, but it was in my cards to do that. And nothing was going to allow me to derail myself, but nothing was also going to stop me from doing it. You know what I mean? So like, for example, like if you watch the film, PK Subban is not in the film. And if you're doing a film about blacks and hockey, there's certain people that should be in that film. But for some reason, he just wouldn't do the film. But his mm -hmm. father's in it. His brothers are in it. His mom's in it. He's not in it. 
You know, Jerome Gilna is not in it, but I was still able to tell a story that wasn't being negative towards the game of hockey when it comes to the treatment of blacks in the game. I was able to make a film that was encouraging, telling, telling the hockey fan base that blacks have always played this game of hockey. Blacks have always contributed to this game of hockey and to any young black family or any young black kid who wants to play the game, yo, go ahead. It's the greatest game out there. And it's got it's the game, it's the one game that's got the it's got the most opportunity to grow because of it being so predominantly white. Like we could really do something great. It just takes people wanting to get in. And so I, you know, that's probably besides, you know, having kids, that's one of the greatest things I've ever created in my life. You know? Yeah. I see you all over the internet when I Googled that, man. Um, that's proud of you, man. Um, you had a lot of clips in the chamber and, and, and by me saying that, what I mean is when I was younger, I didn't watch hockey. Mm. So you grew up with hockey. We all played street hockey. I don't know if you played ice hockey, but we all played street oh. hockey, but you're okay. Hockey, so yeah, I, played, I played, I played for arrows. So we'll be at, um, Fenside arena mm. Saturday mornings. Yeah. You know? So so there you go that's what i mean but you had the clips and you knew the nhl players so you know the history and you probably knew before that that there was black players but me I just didn't. but when i was a kid i didn't that's why oh. i made the film because you know you're out there as a, you, you there, like there is no uh, no i you know you just didn't know i didn't know about willie o'ree and herb carnegie and Mike Mars and it's only until I got older you heard the only black person I ever heard of was Grant Fuhr. Yes, that yes. was the that's only the black only person name. I ever heard of. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And mm -hmm. again, that's why I made this film because I didn't want the younger kids like me to think that there was no black kids or black people that played the game of hockey. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is why you were the right person to to do this documentary because of what you knew. Um, the collection of data. It must have been Studying a lot of research. Studying the craft. Studying the craft, yes. And then you brought that about. That's amazing. So when did it, where can I find the doc? Because I've never seen it personally. I'll, it to you. I'll email it to you. Okay. Because like, I, you know, I had a distributor. It was out on like all the platforms for a while. And, you know, I had a contract with my distributor for like five years. It ended up being with me for like six, seven years because it just kept rolling and people just kept wanting to buy it and stuff like that, or, you know, different networks would want to jump on and stuff like that. So when they were kind of my conscious up, I was like, nah, take it down. Mm. Like make it something that if you want to see, you got to come to me and you got to find it and I get it to you. Mm. So, um, yeah. It, yeah. So I'll, I'll definitely send it to you. And, you know, if anybody wants to see it, they got to just, <laughs> they got to find me. And yeah. Talk to me and, you know, for, you know, I feel you're humble enough about it and you really want it, I'll send it to you. It's not a Perfect. Problem. Perfect. Um, I thought I heard something about you bumping into a female hockey player and they were like, what about us? Yeah. Is there anything that you're working on that you could talk about? Yeah. Um, that So I'm, I was in Chicago. We had a screening of Saw on Ice. Went great. 
great interview, a great Q and A after. And then this little girl was just like, "Yo, where's all the black girls?" And it, you know, it was one of those things that I skated around because I wanted to do when I did Soul Eyes, I wanted to talk about Angela James, who is the first one of the first females inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. She's from Flemo, and she's from Flemo when Flemo was grimy. She's mm. OG, black girl from Flemo. And I never got to put her story in that. And so when this little girl said that to me, I was like, all right, I'm like, I have to do something. And the timing wasn't right, and I completed a film. You can see it on YouTube right now. If you, mm. if, if you look up Ice Queens, yeah, that was my latest film. That was the last film I did that was dedicated to black girls and women in the game of hockey. Mm, yeah, I, I I thought I heard something about that. Nice. Can't mm -hmm. forget about them. Okay, before I do the charity balloons here, that we're, oh you're gonna answer the real talk question, but tell me some of the charitable work that you you've been doing um, throughout the years as well. Yeah, so the main thing that I'm focused on right now is. Uh, I started a foundation called the Soul on Ice Foundation. I'm brand new to it. Um, I don't even have a spot for people to donate or anything like that. Um, but it's a very humble, small little thing that I'm working on because, you know, my son is six and he plays hockey. And I look at the whole hockey aspect and, you know, a lot of kids go out there and they're one of 30 or one of 20 kids on the ice and they're skating. And I always found like, there was really no, you know, no rhyme or reason to like. I, I could see my kid doing something wrong, then the coaches would be like, "All right, little buddy." Some places are really specific to the training, but a lot of places, like if you really, really want your kid to, you got to be in small groups. So I thought of starting a foundation that was dedicated to taking a small group of kids who knew each other in hockey, and helping them get specific training once a week on the ice while teaching them about certain pillars off the ice, making them better people off the ice. So the first pillar that I'm working on is safety and wellness. So basically what happens, I got a small group of kids um, that like my, my son is a part of, and once a week they get this training, Wednesdays, we're going to it tonight. They go and train for an hour and a half on the ice, get their hockey skills on. But throughout this process, I'm teaching them about being about safety. So, for example, I connected with a, a buddy of mine named Sean Sporton, who's a uh, a chairman at um, Crime Stoppers and is also um, a big wig at Garter Security. They sponsored this little group, and they are going to teach them about, you know, um, dealing with police. You know, if you're ever in trouble, this is who you know. Police are here to help you. Be careful of cyber bullies. Be careful of that. And also work with the parents and talk to them about safety for their children and what to do if their kid's in trouble or how to talk their, to their kids about being safe. And um, then I got Bauer involved, Bauer Equipment involved, and mm -hmm. they taught the kids about your proper equipment. Make sure your shin pads fit you know, talk to your parent, talk to the parents about proper helmets. And so they laced them from head to toe. So I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, you know, work with small groups. The next pillar that I want to work is um, 
financial literacy. Mm. So I want to take a bunch of teenagers, small group, get them the on ice training, but off ice, we're going to teach them about saving money. Remember we were talking about that the other day, but yeah. talking them about financial literacy to help them be better people off the ice. So Amazing. Amazing work. Giving back. Always got to give back. Yeah. All right. D, the last thing we're going to do, um, one of the last things, is you're going to answer the real talk with Star Scorpio question. So what do you want me to read out? Blue Jays or the Raptors? Uh, let's go with Raptors. Right. That's typical. I don't know why I did that, but yeah. actually, <laughs> that's typical of women's <laughs> basketball, right? <laughs> All right. What is one of the most memorable moments of your life? Uh, most memorable moments of my life. Mm. Man, that is so hard because I guess, you know what? I think I'll always remember, I'll always remember the look my son gave me when he was born. Because when he was born, they took him from his mom and he was unresponsive. Like, you know, like they didn't say to me, this is the first time, so I don't know the real procedure, but I know at some point they're going to say, cut the two, cut the cord or whatever. Cord, yeah. And they did not do that. They just took the kid and they're like, he rushed him. I'm just like, and they were pushing his chest into like, you know what I mean? Like he wasn't breathing or something like that. So I was kind of like, yo, what's going on? And no one said anything. This this pushed me out of the way. And then finally he coughed up. And then I just remember his little eyes is opening. And like, I know I'm the first person he looked at. And that, you know what I mean? That was kind of like, that was, that was very interesting. Mm. And I'll always, I'll always cherish that. And I tell him, like, you know, when I put him in bed, I'm like, yo, you know, the first person you looked at is me. I'm yeah. the first person, you know, and, you know, that's, that's something that I'll always, you know, hold because that's my guy, you know? Yeah. Wow. As I, I, that's a touching story. I, I like, I added this question in. This is my ninth season, as you know. Um, I didn't do this in the first season, I don't think. I think I started second season. And I just like hearing the stories because the other question is, what was the most challenging thing that you overcome in your life? But well, I like to hear this one. The most uh, challenging thing was, the most challenging thing was, um, the most challenging thing was that process of saw on ice. Because there were so many moments where it was like, oh, you want to quit? You want to quit? You can quit. You can mm -hmm. stop. Yeah, no. Yeah, so-and-so is not calling you back. You ain't got no money. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What is like, you know what I mean? It's like someone said, well, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to do something about it. So that was, that was, that's what it was for me. Hmm. All right. B, this has been great. This is a two-part Season nine, episode one is amazing. I'm gonna find out how to chop this up. You so gotta do two parts for the first, when you do a, when you go back to a new season. The first the first episode always got to be a two parter, so it makes people want to come back for the for the other ones. So there you go. I'm honored for for being, but you know, I, I apologize to the listeners. I hope I wasn't rambling. I hope that everything I said was something that you'd want to just hear and sit because you know. I know there's some podcasts that go on for hours and you're just like, holy shit, man, I don't want to listen to that. 
I know. No, I'm going to I'm going to chop this up cuz you told stories about so many different things. I'm going to put out in consumable and then I'm going to short content and then I'm going to put out the whole thing in part 1, part 2. But uh this is lovely, man. I appreciate you doing this. Um before I get into the balloon pop to to see who I donate to, I used to ask some people this question. A lot of people, I should say. Out of 80 something people, I probably asked 50 people. And I want to ask you because of your experiences. Some people, and this is for young people, some people want to give up on their dreams and their, and sometimes people, some, some people want to self, self cancel, if you know what I'm talking about. But um, I want to know if you have any advice for anyone listening to this podcast who's about to give up on their dream. You have a choice. That's it. You can give up or you can carry on. It's your choice. But just remember, once you make that choice, if it's a great, if it's a strong choice, you reap the rewards and you and you deserve it and it's yours and you can bask in it, you can gloat on it because you made the choice to do it and see it through and you made it. But if you choose to give up, that's on you. That's not on nobody else. That's on you. So my advice is always remember you have a choice. It's your choice. No one else's. You decide your fate. You know, you really do. And nobody can wrong you for it. Just because you quit doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means that, you know, you just didn't have that thing. I, you know, I, I used to beat myself up all the time about not having an opportunity to, to be an actor. But if I did that, would I be here right now and doing what I'm doing? You know, so, but just, just always, my biggest advice to people is always remember you have a choice. I tell that to my son all the time. I said, you've got a choice. You could be, you could be rude to me and feel the wrath or you could be nice to me and we good and you get your little treats and your candies. And you could go work hard and get rewarded by your mom and your dad going, oh my God, you did so great. Let's celebrate by going to McDonald's. Or you could choose not to work hard and you get nothing. It's your choice. Amazing. And you know, when you say that too, um, this is how my daughter turned around her life at a young age. Because my daughter was in, you know, the public school, whatever, 10, you know, not doing that well in school, but we had a good talk. And it's the first time I told her I love her. Someone at school, because that was hard for me to say. Really? My, yeah, because my parents never said that to me. You just know, said it. My wife always said it to my daughter. And then I remember I was at work. I was a trainer at the company that I'm at now, medical at 17 years. I used to be the trainer for onboarding new CSRs. And we were talking about family. And then I told them two, two ladies that, and they said, Peter, and I've heard this before, but they like, you're the man in their life and you have to tell her. I remember when I told her, I, I, I was on the couch and it was so hard first time coming out and I told her that and I cried and it was such a moment. I think that was the pivotal change. I think she was 13 or something. Fast forward, she's 25 now. She has her psych degree and she's in vet school. She has her dollars in the bag. She has her old car. She has her head on her shoulders and she loves family. But I don't think if I didn't say that, D, I don't know if that was the thing that really changed it. You know what I mean? So that's, again, going back to what I was saying. You had a choice. 
Your you could have chose not to tell your lover. That's your choice. But whatever happens is on you. Mm. You chose to make some do the, the make the strong decisions to say I love. Now you can reap the rewards of where she's at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's that's crazy because yeah, like my you know my mom used to tell me, you know the love the, the our generation we didn't come from the love. You know what I mean? Because what people don't understand, I think a lot of white people don't understand, like black our first generation, like it was a it was a grind in that. Mm. So our parents didn't have the time to be like, oh sweetie, sweetie. Our parents was like, yo, get the books and oh, can you tell me you love me? Listen, I gotta go to this my second job. I got no time for all that. So so true. So you know, so I yeah, no, I I always tell my like I always tell my kids I love them. My son, he he'll just be popping up. Love you, Dada. And mm. I was like, all right, I love you too, bro. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he's he's a love child. He loves to love. Yeah, you know kids, I mean? yo, kids need that, man. Kid, I I just thought you know she knew because I knew my parents, right? You thought, oh, you know, you don't have to say it. And then I see how my wife said it's so easy, and it's so it didn't come up my mouth. I'm like, oh, she knows. But she didn't know. And when I say that, you know what I mean. Like yeah, when you hear the words, man. No, but you gotta yeah, I, I feel like a, for a lot of us from our generation, if we heard our parents say, I love you and I love what you're doing and I love love, 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 mm. you they yeah. would have done it would have done a lot more for us. Yeah. That's God's honest truth. I know that if my mom and my dad had said to me at a young age, you know. I know you're a little class clown. I know you're a little wild for the night. Mm -hmm. But I love the fact that you love to entertain. So here's, let me ask you something. You want to go to this little acting school? You want to go and do this? Uh, I got you. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Mind you, I'd have been on some cocaine, wild shit. Mm -hmm. I'd have been a wild actor. <laughs> yeah. I'd have, been a, I'd have been in The Inquirer or something like that. <laughs> Back in the days. <laughs> All right. Yo, D, this has been lovely. Now I'm going to do the donation. I got to read this out. So for season nine, the charities that I'm donating to is the Fundraiser Warriors. I'll always donate to those little boys. Claws, Kawartha Lakes Animal Wellness Society. And then my boy, Kevin Blagrove, started this nonprofit called Juku Sports Academy. Just going to read it out because it's the first time that I'm donating to this charity. So Juku envisions communities that are led by active and empowering youth. We provide, so they provide very youth-based sports and educational programs, including basketball and other sports. A donation to Juku will go directly towards reducing program registration fees for a youth who requires financial support to participate in their programs. So that's the third one for this season. So by my hands, B, let me know. Which balloon you want me to pop, and I'll find out who I'm donating to for season nine, episode one. I will go with the purple one. It's on right. song. Right. So Star Scorpio will be donating to I it's not I usually do this, but you can't see it. Claws. Kawartha Lakes Animal Wellness Society. Amazing. Okay. Anything okay. for animals. All right, D, this has been great. 
two-part podcast. Is there anything you want to say to the people before I cut off? Yeah, man. Keep it moving. Do what you got to do. Live your life. You know, I know in my world, just a little while, we lost a couple of greats. Charles Officer, Toa Beer, some greats in the in the in the in the industry out here, man. It just makes you just be like grateful for your experiences and you know where you are and what you're contributing. So just contribute something to this world and uh you know keep it pushing. Right. This is Real Talk with Star Scorpio, and we out. <laughs>